Hey everyone, I want to first start off by saying thank you for all the support you all have shown the Timothy Network. Uh, Taylor and I have been very encouraged by the feedback from everyone concerning this project, so thanks. Now in this particular episode, my wife and I will begin a discussion on kingdom management and what that looks like on a day-to-day basis as we strive to manage ourselves in the kingdom. This series of episodes uh, assumes the listener has experienced the regeneration of John 3.5 where you've been born again of the water and the spirit in accordance to Acts 2.38 because biblically that is how one can enter the kingdom. If you have not, then shoot myself or Taylor a message on social media and we would love to have that discussion with you further. To those that have been born again, this series of podcasts will address your conduct in the kingdom as well as your posture to attain more of the kingdom. So, enjoy. Hey everyone, this is AJ with the Timothy Project. I am very excited about today's podcast. We are two weeks post uh, Youth Congress, and if anybody was there, you obviously know that the theme was Kingdom Come. And the week while I was in St. Louis, I had been thinking about this podcast and what I was going to discuss, and that Kingdom Come uh, thought just kept going through my mind, and I wanted to talk about what that looks like on a day-to-day basis going forward as most of you are going back to your homes and you're working and going to school possibly. What does the kingdom look like on a day-to-day basis? And we want to tackle some practical things. Um, The theme of these next three podcasts will be managing, or kingdom management rather. And I actually have a special guest with me today, my wife. If you are a familiar with the Enneagrams. She is a type six, so she is as nervous as a tick on a bald dog right now just because there's a microphone in the room. So if you don't know what the Enneagram is, we definitely recommend you go and look up these types. But She is very nervous about her voice being public because she would rather be behind the scenes. But if my nervous wife can just say hello. Hello. She's going to be having this discussion with me because she's brilliant and we also want to have a female's voice so that the ladies listening can kind of get a perspective from another lady. So we're going to go ahead and start this conversation today and we're going to be talking about kingdom management and we're going to look at this in three, uh, three different areas. We're going to look at managing ourselves in the kingdom and the next podcast, uh, obviously our schedule will be the next podcast will be uh, Brother Taylor Fairbanks and he will be having another discussion and then it'll be us again and we'll be discussing um, managing our relationships in the kingdom and then outside of that we'll have another discussion on managing our influence or territory and we'll take a look at that a little bit more when that podcast comes but today we're going to talk about managing the kingdom and we're going to take a look at ourselves in the kingdom so buckle up let's get ready and let's have this discussion Okay, so I'm going to open up this discussion and we're going to look at Genesis 1 because I want to show in the Bible kind of what's going on when uh, we're talking about the kingdom and our role in it. Uh, Genesis 1.26, I'm not going to read all of that. I'm just going to hit some of these highlights, but it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And this is kind of what I'm going to look at right here. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, 
and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I'm reading from the ESV, by the way, so if you want to kind of follow along. I was going to ask which translation you were using, and if you wanted to give a disclaimer as to why. or. Yep, we're using the ESV. That is kind of um, our favorite in the Holloway home. And at some point, I'll probably have a podcast on different Bible types. Uh, Verse 28, though, says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right here, early in the Bible, kingdom management is established. Mankind was commissioned to be fruitful, to multiply, and fill the earth. Basically, God wanted mankind to expand the kingdom. At this stage of the game of creation, God was telling man to be fruitful and to multiply because as we are image bearers and as we go forth bearing the image of God Almighty, we expand his kingdom. Um, It's beautifully written when you really understand the way kingdoms were established uh, in, in ancient Israel. A lot of times the king would set up an image of himself in an area and that would declare by having a statue of himself that he was he owned that territory and the author a lot of people believe it was Moses writing Genesis would have been familiar with this form of of kingdom policy so very much showing us that God making us in his image was expanding his kingdom through Adam and Eve and them having more children would have been expanding that kingdom even farther they were also commissioned to manage the animals and we're gonna I'm gonna use that word manage quite a bit because that's gonna be an important theme for these series of conversations so God is establishing mankind and he's putting him in control of an area of the kingdom which is the Garden of Eden and he's looking at him watching him and he's asking him you know how will you manage this this part of the kingdom that I've given you I don't believe that God wanted Adam to just have as the Bible says, a little bit of the garden towards the east. I believe that it was ultimately God's design for Adam and Eve to have dominion of more territory. But God put them in charge of a parcel of land, a little little garden, and they were God was testing them to see how they would manage what they had. And I'm going to highlight that right there. As we're talking about this personal um, managing ourselves in the kingdom, you know, before we go after anything more in the kingdom, I believe that God is looking at us as individuals and he's looking to see how we will manage ourselves in the kingdom, managing ourselves in private, managing our thoughts even. And we'll, we'll explode into that a little bit more and we'll look at that in more detail and practicality. And that's what my wife is going to help me with because she is very, very good at illustrations and looking at the practical helps for me to have a line drawn from Genesis 1 to practical application in my daily life. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm I live my life reading the Bible constantly and uh, my wife helps me stay in touch with you know what's going on and how to relate that. So I'm absolutely crippled without her. But Genesis 2 verse 5 it says when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. So in Genesis 2, 5, God would not send any rain. He would not allow any grass to grow. The land would be desolate. 
until there was a man to work the ground. God needed someone to manage the land. So rain waited until there was a man to manage that kingdom. So our view of Eden, we often view it as a place where there never was any work that was needed. Right. And that, I guess it says right there in Genesis 2, that's something you don't often pay attention to, that work was required even in It was Eden. godly work, yeah. And that's, that's an interesting uh, topic because you're right, a lot of people do kind of look at the garden as Adam and Eve just kind of taking a back seat, chilling by a fruit tree, eating fruit all day long and really having no responsibility. But that's just not the case biblically. God gave them a commission to work the ground. And there is godly work. And that to, to put that into a um, you know, kingdom perspective for 2019, uh, ministry, uh, God calling is not a license to take a back seat and just sit around and feast off of good words. We are or feast off of good preaching and just enjoying church. There is a there is work involved with it. It's godly work. Um, we should approach it with passion, and we should just go into it knowing that the kingdom is filled with work, and that's okay. That God is is pleased with us working in the kingdom. So the very next verse it says, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Rain did not come until a man was prepared. That's interesting because if the man wasn't prepared and God had sent the rain, it, everything could have grown up and gone wild, basically. Right. There needed to be someone there who could cultivate it, care for it, and, and take care of it. Otherwise, things might have just gone wild and got out of control. That's actually an excellent point that I hadn't actually even thought of. God wouldn't allow chaos because plants are going to grow. And he wasn't going to allow chaos until there was a manager. And I believe if, if we can, uh, and I might be getting ahead of myself in this podcast, but if we look at that and let's look at it the context of starting a CMI chapter in your college, um, I believe that there, God wants an outpouring there, but he's waiting on somebody to manage it, and he's waiting and watching someone to see if they can manage themselves before he can allow them any more access to more people, or else it'll be wild. If he's looking at a young man, a young lady, and he's seeing that they can't even manage their anger right now on a personal level, um, then it might be wild for you to start a CMI group and God give you access to someone who might tick you off when you can't even manage the, the personal level. So God is waiting to, he's waiting for a man or a woman to be prepared to, to manage themselves in the, in, in the private times. So in the context of this conversation, rain is basically representing a harvest more or less. Yeah, I think so. I think that that would be a, an appropriate look at this. Um, you know, we obviously use that church term a lot. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're not familiar with church culture, when we talk about rain, we're talking about an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We're talking about God pouring out his spirit. And as we know, we're the conduits that the, it flows out of us. So that's what we're alluding to. But God is waiting for someone to be prepared. And that's our job. That's, that's the work. 
we work to prepare ourselves and we need to be managers of ourselves wise stewards of the life that god has given us and by doing that i really believe that god can look at us and say you've managed yourself well now i can trust you with more i can trust you with with a, a ministry a calling and i use the word ministry lightly i'm not talking about being a preacher if that's not what you feel called to, but I believe all of us are called to a form of ministry. But God is looking to see how we're going to manage ourselves in private. And that's biblical. Before he can can anoint us or show us publicly, he needs to see if we can manage ourselves privately. So right here, an outpouring of rain didn't come until a manager was provided because God didn't want chaos. He needed someone to take care of the garden. Verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden, and this is, this is important to look at, a garden in Eden, and it stops and says, in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. It's really interesting words here in the original Hebrew. God made a garden in the east, and he put man there. Essentially, Adam had a portion of the kingdom. He didn't have the entire kingdom. He had a little portion, a garden in the east. It was a piece of the garden just for him to tend to. And I'm one, I've wondered by reading this if God wanted, and I, I really believe that God wanted to give him more of the garden because it was God's design. He told him, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want my image everywhere. But I need to see what you can do with this. And God gave Adam a home, a piece of the garden just for him. And out of the ground, verse 9, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden or in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this is interesting because in the home, God put near Adam something that was not allowed to test his management. Right there in his life, he had something that wasn't uh, to, to be touched, something that he wasn't allowed to have. And I believe that that's applicable to all of us in our individual lives because we all have things that, you know, we have we have do's and don'ts. And we're really good at that. In fact, I, I heard something recently where somebody said that Christianity celebrates more of what they can't do than what they, are, they can do. And I believe that we have access to things that we can do because of what we don't do. I believe that... Uh, our separation from things gives us more access to the holiness of God, but that's another conversation. But even in a secular world, non-Christianity, where, you know, if all things are more or less lawful, all things are more or less allowed, there are still things that it's prudent to be disciplined and to, yeah, the world to, to stay it. away from, um, you know, certain gluttonous things and, you know, things like that, that even in secular society can you know really cause damage to your personal kingdom or personal management uh, whether you're Christian or non-Christian so even even though we say in Christianity there's so much focus on the don'ts there is that in the secular world as well if you're a disciplined person in that world yeah they celebrate they're going to celebrate time management uh, those are disciplines in fact there's so many books out there that celebrate what they do in the secular world and i think that we should just be okay with what we celebrate in christian world things we don't do so you're basically saying that adam was being sort of not tested but 
God was kind of seeing how if he could remain disciplined and over his little kingdom that he'd been given. Oh, I would say certainly. And especially as I look more through the Bible and I've been studying this topic um, quite extensively and everywhere through every story and narrative, I'm seeing that there is a test of, of management for each individual. And it started here, right here in the garden. And we'll, we'll look at in other podcasts, we'll look at different uh, people in the Bible who God was testing their, their managerial um, skills as an individual because God says, I want to know that I can trust you with more, but I need to look and see if I can trust you with what you have. And it's what I want to look at is the fact that God was testing them in their home. And that's a very passionate topic for me is we are, and me and you had this conversation a few days ago. You know, we look at Matthew or actually uh, Acts one and eight, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost. And so many times there are people that feel a burden, especially when you come back from Youth Congress, you want to win the entire world. And what happens is they bypass Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and they go straight to the uttermost. But Jerusalem was home in the context of of Acts. Jesus was telling them, he said, I want you to go home, and I want you to, to establish there the kingdom. Then I want you to go to Judea, then I want you to go to Samaria, then the uttermost. And I'm seeing a lot of people that as they feel a burden and they, they feel this passion from conferences, youth rallies, camps, they go home and they immediately want to go to the world when the, the battle is at home and the test of our, our ability to get more in the kingdom is starting at your house. You know, what does your prayer look like? prayer life look like at home? Are you establishing hidden characters that nobody's looking at? You know, to the young man, are you, are you guarding yourself through accountability from a computer? You know, when you go to the supermarket and somebody gives you, maybe this doesn't happen anymore because we use debit cards, but <laughs> if somebody gives you too much change back, this happened recently. We went to Target and our daughter <laughs> is evidently a thief and... She put a rubber ducky in the cart. Yeah, she wants every toy. So she grabs things when we're walking through the aisle. And we got to our van and we did the self-checkout. And when we got to the van, I looked at the bottom of the cart and noticed that there was something in there that we didn't pay for. And it would have been very easy to just drive away. But we're managing our lives. That was the van, our our nuclear family in this moment was a form of our home. And it could have been very easy to just say it's a rubber ducky. Who cares? But Target's a big corporation. They don't need that. Yeah. And, you know, it's very easy. It's very easy even to say they've overcharged me, I'm sure, at times. And I didn't recognize it. So this is just we're breaking even. And none of that matters. What matters is, am I showing God that I am trustworthy with more of the kingdom? So I, in that moment, you know, so what? I didn't get, a, I didn't get the rubber ducky. She didn't need it. But I got to show God, (laughs) but I got to show God that he can trust me with something more because I'm showing him that I am trustworthy with this little piece of the kingdom. You you can trust me with my home, God. So by showing you that, you can trust me with a little bit more. And you can apply that to whatever in your life. You know, you can apply that every year during tax season. (laughs) Are you going to, are you going to fib to get more? 
you know, I had a friend who who claimed he had uh, kids and he didn't have kids so he can get a tax break. And it's just different things like that. He was claiming his sister's kids on his tax bracket, different different stuff like that. And it, he ended up getting like 10 grand back. And it's just God's looking at us and saying, I can't trust you with any more because you're not proving yourself to be a good manager of what you have in this part of your kingdom. Your home well, is parents, chaos. Parents do it with kids. Um, we have no pets and have no intention of getting any pets in our current life. Um, but people do it with uh, kids wanting to get pets. They, you know, they, they might get a smaller pet or they might have a certain time frame where the child proves their responsibility or strives to prove the responsibility that they can take care of a certain thing to prove to the parents that I can take care of a dog. If you get me a dog, I can take care of a dog. And, uh, uh, I mean, honestly, usually the parent ends up doing the bulk of the work, which is why the parent didn't want the animal in the first place. But that is, I've, I've seen a lot of parents do that where they set protocols in place to try to get their child to prove yeah. that they can, they'll be able to handle the responsibility that's being given, potentially being given to them. I believe even that, that even applies to young marrieds, young marrieds who are been married for a while maybe you know a few years and they're saying okay we want to start a family but before we do let's buy a puppy <laughs> <laughs> let's see let's see how we're going to cope with potty training and you know getting up with the with the puppy and they're even they're testing their ability to manage a child by starting with an animal and this this concept applies across not the board. Not the same thing. It's not the same thing at all. Mother of three uh, telling everyone it is not the same thing. Not at all. But the the concept remains that God was looking at mankind to see what he could trust them with. And God is doing the same with us. So rather than begrudging, because um, I know a lot of young men, young women, they almost begrudge um, mediocrity. And the Bible says despise not small things and they almost despise you know small beginnings so look at it this way it's not small god's just watching you to see if you can manage you can he can he trust you with what you have and we're gonna we'll talk about that more and we'll hopefully apply some more practical application to that but let's go down to genesis two fifteen. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. There it is again. There's that. This is before they fail. And God is putting man in the Garden of Eden. And he wanted, to, wanted him to work it and to keep it. It's very interesting. If we just latch on to mentally as you're listening, the words work and keep. Because we're going to look at that just a little bit more. Let's go to verse 16 though. The Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God placed Adam in a portion of the garden and had him manage it. Management, as we said earlier, it comes with boundaries, though. Thus, the point of management. God was putting a boundary in his life to see how man would manage a boundary. The word, the word keep comes from the Hebrew word habad, which denotes tending and preparing. The word um, keep is shamar, which adds to that idea. Work. work. The word work uh, comes from 
What was it? Habad? Habad. Okay. You said keep keep going. Which denotes tending. And um, the word keep is Shema, which, which it, like I said, it adds more to that idea. Work did not come as a result of sin as we see it uh, before the fall. Productive work is part of God's good purpose, though. God has designed us to work in our kingdom. And I'm just, I'll pause there. To manage yourself is work. It's temperance. We need to manage ourselves. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So part of this whole thing that we're doing as we're managing ourselves, it's going to be work. We're tending to something, a piece of the kingdom. We make up the global kingdom. And if we aren't healthy, then we affect the full kingdom. So looking at these words... Uh, we'll see these same two verbs are used together of the work performed by the priests and the Levites in the tabernacle. But they're used for minister or serve, which abad, it, would, it, it's, it signified ministry or serving. And then shamar means to guard. So in the tabernacle, these same two Hebrew words are used. They're used as verbs in managing the tabernacle, managing God's presence for the people. The Levites would serve in the tabernacle and thus guard the holiness of the tabernacle. And it was good, godly work. It was management. So these words in numbers, you said, are the same words that are used in Genesis? Yes, same exact Hebrew words. They're used in Numbers chapter 3, verse 7 through 8, and then again in Numbers 18, verse 7. Okay. So these words, it's... What God did with the tabernacle is he made a micro-Eden. And he had the priests manage his presence amongst the, amongst the people. And we're seeing a repeat. And we'll, we'll talk about that in another podcast. But God was passionate about having a garden. A place where him and man could dwell. That's his kingdom come. When Jesus came, he was establishing his kingdom. And he wasn't that... By the way, in Greek, he was not saying this is coming. He said, it is here. I am the kingdom. And when he sent his spirit, we became micro gardens. You and I are a garden. That's what we are. If, if we want to look at this in a very practical view, me and you are gardens as individuals. We are a kingdom as a people. Are we managing? Are we guarding his presence in this garden? Mm -hmm. And are we serving in this garden are we tending the garden essentially of ourselves which like you said is is a work i think you said part of god's good purpose it's part of his good purpose that's a holy people and i think you're discussing you know you're talking about becoming off the heels of youth congress um so we're we're talking to some people who you know have are coming home with a passion and a drive to do more and, you know, we've talked about how over the years, as you move further in your walk with God, the you, there's more to manage, there's more to be disciplined to and from, you know, and it's that that applies throughout all phases of life. Currently, right now, I just started teaching, trying to teach our daughter, Eleanor, how to make her bed in the morning. She's not quite three yet, so it's a long process, but that is, you know, helping her learn little disciplines and trying to get her to pick up her toys these are small things and then it progresses as you get older and obviously becomes much bigger 
to where making your bed is just part of your life and something you've taken on something else that's more of a challenge as you're older, you know, and we're talking about it in the spiritual sense and talking about people who are wanting to do more in the kingdom. Yeah. And actually, the more you talk about that, I think that's an excellent, I think we'll just flow with that for a second. What parents do for their kids is we're teaching them management. That's what we do. We're teaching them. Like you said, we're teaching Eleanor how to make her bed. You know, once she graduates from that, we're going to entrust her with a little bit more management. We're going to, you know, uh, help me here, trust her to, to manage a little bit more help of herself. Help me the dishwasher. Help her, yes. You know, in a, in a healthy home, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make our kids successful citizens in society. Empathetic, um, helpful, kind, caring. Uh, yeah, just all of that. I don't want to raise a child who can't give to others or who is selfish or is a slob and lives in chaos. Now, I know there are levels of that. You have neat freaks and you have people who are a little bit more cash. That's fine. Um, but yes, I am starting with the bed because it's something simple for her to kind of take on. And it, and she seems to enjoy the challenge every morning. <laughs> Takes 15 minutes. Right, and I will look at my child someday and hope that she will know how to make her bed as a 22-year-old individual. At that point, hopefully, she knows how to manage her time. I hope that she would know how to manage her finances at 22 years old because I want her to go forth. And actually, this, is, this reminds me of a study I did um, last year. Going back to Genesis when we talked about earlier where God told Adam to go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. A lot of times we look at the word fruitful and we think that that is having kids. No, he covered that with the word multiply. He wanted, the word fruitful was to bear my character when you study that out in the original Hebrew. So essentially it was a lot like a daddy sitting down with his son before going to college. And dad sitting down with his son and saying, now son, you're going to this college, you're going to be on your own, you're going to be paying your own bills. You always have a home here. I will always be your dad. But what I want to do is I want you to go and I want you to, and I'll just apply it to myself. I want you to go and make the Holloways proud, <laughs> essentially. And that is, that is what's going on. That is the context of, of Genesis when God told Adam to be fruitful and multiply. He said, I want you to go and be like daddy. I want you to go forth and I want you to represent me well. And I want you to expand this kingdom. I'm trusting you to do that. Go forth and be fruitful and multiply. And I don't know how long of the relationship there was with God and Adam up until this point. The Bible doesn't give us that information. For all we know, it, it could have been years and years and years of God and Adam getting to know each other. We just don't have that information in the narrative. Yeah. But I do know that that is the context of what's going on. It is like a, a father sitting down with his son and, he, and he's saying, go into this garden. You've been with me. You've seen me. You know how I am. Now go and be like me over there and show, expand the kingdom, show everybody what I'm like, bear my image. That is what's taking place. And God just kind of releases him a little bit and says, here's your own garden. Show me what, what show me what you can do with it. Mm -hmm. Show me how you will manage this little piece of the garden. And talking about Youth Congress, there are young people that are going home and they want this immediate big kingdom. They want influence. They want uh relationships and all of that does come but God is looking at you right now where you are and he's wanting to see how you're going to manage what you've got 
All right, I'm going to throw something out there. This is where the big difference between his personality and my personality come out. That's how you feel. And you, you, you at these things growing up, camps and conferences and stuff like that, you would probably come home and feel that way, ready to take on the world. And you weren't quite sure how to do all that and how to get to where you saw people. I was a little different being with my personality. I just wanted to come home and I wanted someone to just tell me a couple of small things I could do. You know, I would have been perfectly fine with the mundane and the practical. Uh, I, I didn't need to jump steps and skip to a higher level. That was so, you, you, you know, you do have both types. No, and that's actually a great point. I think we need all types. And if, you, if you're going home and what, what happens is we tend to look at those types of people and say, well, they're not passionate about the kingdom. And that's just simply not true. I don't believe that. I believe that those that don't feel, and I'm, if I'm misreading what you're saying, correct me, but I don't feel like if you don't feel called to basically go as far as you can go and, you know, have this enormous kingdom and tons of influence. I think what I'm saying is more, I'm a baby steps person. Ah, okay. Um, you would, you know, jump, you're, you know, Peter jumps straight into the water and go swimming with Jesus. And I'm a much more cautious and a baby step kind of person. So while if the end game was to me, for me to be a missionary to India, fine, all well and good, but give me baby steps to get there. So, you know, you're talking about people who might want to jump ahead and they need to learn to manage themselves. And I'm saying that there are, you know, people, I think, like me as well, who are like, that's okay, I don't mind hanging out in the the puddles right now and figuring all that out. I, I think that we actually talked about that earlier this week. Um, Gideon, I believe, was that person. <laughs> because God told him, he's like, hey, you can have victory. And Gideon's like, are you sure? <laughs> My husband says I'm a Gideon. And that's okay, because... Gideon asked God every, not every time, but he asked him, he's like, please don't be angry with your servant as I fleece you one more time. And God didn't. And I believe that God just ministered to Gideon the way Gideon needed to be ministered to. But I believe for Peter, God knowing how Peter was hardwired, she's showing me a clock. I have it on my computer. Okay. God knowing how Peter's hardwired, he pushed him a little bit more and he just ministered to Peter the way Peter needed to be ministered to. So there are some that have gone back from youth congress and they need baby steps. So here's the baby steps. And this is this applies, this is a blanket, this is across everybody. Manage your private life. When nobody's watching, when nobody is there applauding, when there's no hand claps, you know, there's not a band unctioning you into the the deep moves of the Holy Ghost. There's not a preacher there encouraging and pressing you. On a Monday night after work. When you're tired and you still have homework, how are you going to manage your God responsibilities to yourself? And how are you going to tend to your garden through prayer, your deeper relationship with God? How are you going to manage those things? It's not going to be easy. The, the Bible clearly shows us that Adam worked in the garden before they fell. So how are you going to manage that? What is your, your management going to be? It, you know, are you going to take a moment and just go pray, spend some alone time with God? And, you know, some may disagree with me, but, you know, you've worked all day long. 
you've um, gone through classes and you still have homework and you're going to have to rinse and repeat on Tuesday, you may not be able to go into an all-night prayer meeting that night. That may not be practical. Uh, if you can, if you can get up an hour earlier uh, before work, that may be something you need to look into. But baby steps right now, manage the time that you have and manage it wisely. Instead of sitting around and watching a YouTube video for four hours, you know, just spending all this time on YouTube, not even four hours, that may be extravagant for some, but not even, and this is, this is a luxury. We feel like when we're tired, we have to veg out on something and we're, we're losing our, we're losing more of the kingdom because we're managing it improperly with Netflix. Let's just be honest. How can God trust us with more of the kingdom when we can't even manage 10 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour because we feel we owe it to ourselves to check out on a movie or something. What are you going to do with that hour that you have available? Guess what? It, it might feel a little bit arduous. You may not get that excited about prayer and reading your Bible, but that's kingdom management. That's managing in the private times. And none of us are entitled to more of the kingdom if we can't manage that. And there's actually uh, my friend has a great podcast it's called Uncommon People. If you want to go check them out, he has a podcast. He and his wife on on time. They talk about you know doing hard things, doing hard things, getting up an hour early. You know, he runs marathons throughout the year and still maintains prayer life. Still maintains you know their their kingdom. They're maintaining their area. Last thing we want to do is we don't want to lose the garden that God has trusted us with. We, we all have time in a day. We all, each, every one of us, we all feast from the palate of a 24-hour day. How much of that is gluttonous and how much of that is healthy eating, that's entirely up to the appetite of the individual. You are going to have to stop and say, how am I going to manage this kingdom that God has given me, my time, this, this little bit of this hour that I have in between classes? Carry your Bible with you. And, and read the Bible. Read a chapter in between your classes. If you have, I know some people have two hours between classes. Don't squander that time. You're showing God, Lord, you, I'm showing you that you can trust me with more. And here's a concept that we don't talk about enough. We, we're very much a faith movement as apostolics. We, we talk a lot about having faith in God. But through management and God watching us, he wants to see how much faith he can have in us. That's when we manage our kingdom, we're showing him that he can have faith in us. And he looks at us and says, okay, now what I'll do is I'll give you a little bit more because you've managed you well. And ironically, we'll talk about that next week, but you know, the next step, God entrusts us with relationships and influence. Talking about managing yourself. Um, and I know pretty much everybody has a Android or an iPhone. So you have it on there. Uh, if you're not sure where your time is going, just take a few minutes and set up your phone to, to track where you're spending your time. It's probably already doing it, depending on the type of phone you have. And I know I have an iPhone. Uh, you can set those limits on your phone. And if you can't trust yourself, because you know the password to give yourself more time, you can always give it to a trusted friend, a roommate, somebody, you know, whatever, and they can have that that password if you can't trust yourself but that's some baby step that you could do because it is easy for that to consume your time and I think 
almost a hundred percent of us are guilty of that uh, relatively often because it's 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 always there in our hands. And it would be eye opening if you downloaded an app that managed your screen time. At the end of the day, don't change any habits. Don't change any habits after listening to this this uh, podcast. Just download an app that manages your screen time. And then just at the end of one day, a normal day, look at your phone and look at how much time that you gave to a screen. That's the time that you can siphon from and begin to apply it to the garden, the micro garden that you are and the, the presence that the presence of God in your life that you're supposed to be guarding and the, the area of your life that you're supposed to be tending to when you can take from the, the time wasted and apply it to that, that's working in your garden. And God says, okay, they're, they're becoming intentional. Let me watch them a little bit more and see if I can trust them. And consistency shows God trust. And it's 2019. Obviously we're not talking about anything that we don't deal with or, you know, have to be very conscientious about, you know, with stuff we all, we all do or don't do <laughs> things we all struggle with. I'm constantly trying to get my baby back to bed. So it's easy for me to be on my phone just because I'm going crazy in the room by myself for hours off and on throughout the day. Yeah. And as you're, you know, where you are now, just take a long look at it, write your habits down and then adjust. I know for me, I have a journal and I'm looking at my hours throughout the day and I'm trying to, I'm trying to put in as much God time as I can because I want God to be able to trust me because I am that person. You know, if God says I have a calling for you, I want every ounce of it that he has and I'm going to push as far as I can. And when he tells me to stop, I'm going to ask him why. And I'm going to <laughs> try to convince God to let me have more in the kingdom. And it all starts with this though, managing yourself. So daily, I'm, I even want God to see that my mind is a holy place where he can walk. He can, he can walk through the corridors of my thoughts and even look there and say, okay, I can even trust him with his thoughts. And when he can see that our minds are trustworthy, that he can give us impressions, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, all those things begin to enter our minds because we have showed him that we have been stewards and we have worked in the private areas of our lives and we're showing him that he can trust us. You know, I tell people, you know, the gifts of the spirits, they come with people that God can trust because they're weapons. If they, <laughs> I told somebody this recently, um, if God gives us the gifts of the Spirit, because they're power, the gifts of the Spirit are power, but the fruit of the Spirit is God's character, and we've got to have both. If God just gave us the gifts of the Spirit with no fruit, the character, then he's giving us weapons to children, and the only group of people on our planet that gives weapons to children are terrorists. So if we're mm -hmm. pursuing the gifts of the Spirit without the character That's of good. the Spirit, then what happens is we're spiritual terrorists and we're hurting people at this point. That's really good. And we've got we've to make sure that we are trustworthy. God's not going to give us the gifts of the Spirit to go and annihilate people and to have uh, spiritual casualties. He needs people that are showing that we're trustworthy, that we have character. So work on the fruit of the Spirit. We need a garden full of fruit. That's... 
that's the point. That's that literally. That's what it's alluding to. Look at you! You weaved Galatians right into this. Galatians podcast. is my favorite, but that's what God's doing. He's saying, "Is there fruit in your garden? If there's fruit there, and I'm there, then all that I am will also be there." I feel like I should have seen Galatians coming. It's going to show really up every sure time. <laughs> Galatians, Galatians five is always garden. Going to show up. Yeah, isn't he? Yeah, should have seen that one. Adam's role was not to be not only to be a gardener, but also a guardian. As a priest, he is to maintain the sanctity of the garden, to preserve it as holy, a place where God feels welcome and where his holy presence can come and dwell with them. The fact that God commanded the man implies that God gave man a leadership role to guard and care for the creation that God had given. And as we'll see in verse 18, this responsibility would extend to another human being, Adam's helper, we're going to talk about that in the second podcast of this series. That's where God trusts him with relationship. But I'm going to just jump ahead to Genesis 3 because there's something important we need to see here. This is popular. We know Genesis 3.1. It says, now the serpent was more crafty. That word there is actually uh, wise. This is the only time in the, in the Bible that wisdom is used in a negative light. This is actually a positive word that's used here. Uh, if I'm not not mistaken, I believe the Hebrew word is arum. So he came in with arum. He began to subtly draw man away from their management. And he began to manipulate their management. And this is kind of what we were talking about earlier. The craftiness and the wisdom of our adversary will look at the, the day we've had and how tired we are. And he will tempt us and say, come on, it's just YouTube. You're not watching anything bad. There was nothing inherently bad about the fruit. There wasn't. It's just the. It was the fact that they lost their managerial position. Right. It was a border that they crossed in their management role, and that's what the devil does. He says, "Come on, there's real. There's nothing wrong with watching a bunch of cats be scared of cucumbers on YouTube for the next four hours." All right, you gotta find a newer reference. I know. I haven't even watched any of those videos. <laughs> I just. I know that was a trending thing for a while, but that's. That's what's going on. There's nothing wrong with that. But it becomes wrong when we forsake our, our time to pray. And if we're in a public place and you're not even praying, but you're just like, okay, I'm in a public place. This isn't my prayer time. I don't pray till this evening. And we, we check out on a YouTube video. What we're doing is we're missing a little God moments where somebody walking by us, where God could have spoke to the trustworthiness of our minds and said, Aaron, Amanda, that person right there is dealing with depression. Mm -hmm. I need you to go and minister to them. But we miss those God moments when we're feasting on entertainment, when we're feasting on what's good in our eyes. It's, it's not what's good in our eyes. What are the parameters and what has God called us to do? That's what is good. There was nothing wrong with the tree. It was just the fact that it was not allowed. And God said, okay, I've been testing you with management and I'm seeing that I can't trust you. Right. So there will always be temptation is the, the point. There's always going to be temptation. But that's where the work of the garden comes in. That's where the guarding, the tending, that's where we're, we're preserving and we're, we're protecting and guarding the holiness of God's presence in our minds and in our lives. Uh, we're going to start wrapping this conversation up, but I, I don't, I love the Old Testament. And that's what I'm always going to gravitate towards. But there is, I always want to wrap it up with New Testament because I believe if we can show it in multiple places, then 
surely this is what God is telling us. And ironically, this management concept is all throughout the New Testament. So when Jesus shows up on the scene and his kingdom is now here through him, the man Jesus, starts teaching us this whole kingdom concept throughout the Gospels. Matthew 6, 6 is an interesting scripture where Jesus tells uh, his disciples, says, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And as I read this, I just couldn't help but wonder, could it be that private prayer is us tending to the garden of our lives before we can be anointed openly, before God can release us to more territory? And I'll use a personal example. I remember uh, as a young man, I was praying about a wife. And I dated, I dated several people that just weren't a God fit for me. And I, uh, I was just getting frustrated because I didn't feel like I was finding the one. <laughs> and finally, I just said, okay, God, I'm done looking. I'm not going to do this anymore. And in prayer one night, God spoke to me and he said, Aaron, what did Adam do? before he woke up to the person I designed him to be with. And I looked at that scripture and he fell asleep and he allowed God to put his hands into his life. And essentially Adam died for a season. So I took that, uh, not quite so literal of dying, but I took that literal in the sense that, okay, I said, God, I'm not going to look. I'm going to get as much, I'm going to get as lost as I can in you for a season. And I went on a 21 day fast and I said, God, I want you to Show me what it what it looks like to be a man. Help me to manage me because here's the thing. Whatever I wouldn't manage in my private life, I can make marriage work. I can go find somebody and I can get married. We can make uh, relationships happen. But what was taking place is I knew God had, had spoke this to me that what I didn't take care, in, take care of in my own life, I then merged that with somebody else's kingdom. And if my kingdom was unhealthy and there was bitter fruit in it, then I would have merged that with another person's life and I would, have, I would have essentially introduced a world of problems into their garden. So I went on a 21-day fast and God was beginning to look and he was saying, okay, I can trust him with another relationship and I'm probably getting ahead of myself for the next podcast. A little bit. But day 19 of a 21-day fast, I met the woman that I'm sitting across the room with right now having this conversation with. And uh, we'll talk about her testimony in that podcast because she was making sacrifices as well. But it boiled down to God was looking at us and says, can I trust you? Are you showing me that you're trustworthy with yourself before I ever merge you with another human being? I need to see if you can be trustworthy with yourself. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a private thing. I was, I was shut behind a door. I was praying. And then what people see openly in a marriage took place in the privacy of a prayer room. It was management. Yeah. God's not going to trust you with another person. Uh, his daughter. I have to be a steward of God's daughter. But that's another. We'll talk about that next week. But as I said, prayer in private is us tending to the garden before we can be anointed or have access to more in the kingdom openly. Um, you can read this yourself, but read Matthew 25, the parable of the ten virgins. That's a story it's a it's illustrated between five wise and five foolish but that's a story of beautiful management and then tragedy because of mismanagement the whole parable of the of the 10 virgins is a is a 
pair or a, a mirror of those who managed well and those who didn't. Right. Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. He gave to one, one talent, to another three, and then to the other five. And that's, that was a test of their management skills. To the guy with one, he did not manage what he had and then lost it. There is another parable that talks about a good manager. This whole uh, kingdom thing boils down to management. So as we're wrapping this up, those of you that are at home, you're possibly, maybe, maybe some of you went home to a small, smaller church. And I use small with the utmost respect because I don't think that you have to have a, a large church to be successful in a kingdom. But those of you who maybe go back and you don't have, you don't even have a worship team. <laughs> and you're just you like, just how do I worship? Maybe you just don't have a support system. It could be a, personal life. a multiplicity of things. That's not the topic at hand. Your deficiencies don't define your level of advancement in the kingdom. Your management does. The way you're managing yourself. Just go get lost in the presence of God. Go pray. Manage your finances with wisdom. I believe that tithes, God doesn't need your money. God has the cattle on a thousand hills. God doesn't need your little 10%. God has everything that he needs. I believe tithes boils down to management. Time boils down to management. Your attitude boils down to management. Why would God ever introduce you to another soul who is hurting when you're not even managing your soul that's hurting? You're not even in a place to help somebody unless you can get yourself. And I know that this sounds a lot like you got to get good to get God. I don't, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we need to work on ourselves to get more of the kingdom. You know, what if you have a, uh, and I, I'm going to harp on anger because that's, that was one of the things I dealt with. If you're hot headed and you want to win souls, what are you going to do when God puts you in contact with somebody who is a little belligerent? You haven't managed your, your temper. Just kind of rubs all on the raw nerves everywhere. Yeah, that person's going to, you know, make you mad. And what are you going to do, blow up on them or, or are you going to manage yourself? And sometimes management comes, it's on the job training. Sometimes, you know, what we're managing in private, God will test us public. Well, and, and I guess on the other side of that coin, we'll take, you know, we've talked about your personality and mine. Um, it doesn't seem like mismanagement, mismanagement necessarily, but, you know, I deal with a lot of apprehension and uh, indecisiveness and fear, anxiety, all that good stuff. Um, but it could be mismanagement to just stay stationary and not do anything really, not not try, not push, not anything because you're almost paralyzed by it. Um, fear of failure, staying in what's comfortable. So I don't necessarily struggle with the anger that you do. Uh, it's coming from a totally different perspective. But it also can be crippling and can make it to where you don't make forward advances. We'll talk to that a little bit. What I guess this is a, this podcast is a great example of yeah, that. I think that's a wonderful example. Because you you're not the one that really you're more comfortable. And Mark Brown said something great at, at Youth Congress, and I love what he said. He said. Um, you know, not getting out and doing anything for God is prideful because it's self-preservation. Getting out and promoting yourself publicly is also prideful. But 
a lot of times what we do is like, well, I just want to be behind the scenes. That almost, it looks on the surface a lot like humility, but what it is is you're protecting yourself, in, and that's prideful. In many cases, yes. In so, many cases, not in all cases, obviously. Not everyone, but yes, there is that aspect of pride that is rooted in absolutely self-preservation at all costs, even if it means not doing something I might have passion about or for uh, because there's an absolutely gripping, paralyzing fear in the same way that you refer to temper or anger, you know, seeing red and just that instinct reaction. Mine is, you know, to run, hide. (laughs) Pushing Uh, yourself a little bit, I think, is the... A little bit. Like, for example, I know that my wife's an amazing speaker and I know that she's brilliant. At this stage of the game, I don't think my wife is ready to get on a platform and speak to anybody. Oh, no. So a baby step is putting a microphone on and talking on this podcast. But here's the thing. If this is what God wants her to do and she never gets on a pulpit, a pulpit's not a sign of spiritual maturity and I've made it. If this is what God wants her to do, then she's fulfilling it and she's managing the kingdom by pushing herself out a little bit more, pushing, extending the borders of her of her garden because... Adam and Eve had the east, but I believe God wanted to give them the west, the north and the south. And you've managed the eastern portion of your garden and what you might be doing right now, on, even on a podcast, is pushing east or west a little bit. That's, that's of great value in the kingdom. So if you are, you know, and I heard, uh, I believe it was Brother Terry Shock say this one time. He says, you know, sometimes God has turtles and he has tigers. He has to prod the turtles and tame the tigers. I'm a tiger. God has to tell me to slow down. Not yet. Don't go yet. And I'm biting at the bits. You are more of God saying, okay, now it's time. And you're like, are you sure? I want to fleece you one more time. Yeah. And neither one are right or wrong. We're just dealing with two things on opposite ends of the spectrum. The bottom line is obedience to God. What is he telling you to do? Be sensitive to what he's saying to do and then do it. And most often it will be uncomfortable. But that's the kingdom. That's what it looks like. We're going to wrap this conversation up. We're going to end it right here. I hope that you found value in this first podcast. Like I said, in the next podcast, we will talk about managing our relationships and influence. And then our final conversation, we'll talk about spiritual uh we'll talk more about gifts of the spirit and taking um i don't want to say taking but advancing into more areas of the kingdom going further but that wraps it up tune in in uh two weeks to brother taylor fairbanks's conversation he's going to be putting out the second part of that uh first conversation they had that was a wonderful podcast if you haven't listened to that yet go and listen to it and be on the lookout for the next one Hope you're enjoying these. We love all of you, and we're praying that you advance to more levels of the kingdom. See you on the next podcast.